Thinking about where our culture has been and where it is going, I could not help pondering about the church's effectiveness in this post-Christian culture in reaching those who are without Christ. The truth is that every believer already, whether they realize it or not, does some form of apologetics or evangelism to the ones who are hostile to the gospel message. The question now becomes, do they want to continue to do it poorly or do they want to do it well? And it saddens me to think that there are pastors out there who are still stuck in the old paradigm of the Bible says approach to evangelism. So let's get real about apologetics and evangelism. And you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. Thank you for tuning in this week. I want to talk to you about apologetics and evangelism, and I want to talk to you about how they dovetail together. You know, as I opened up the show today, I have been pondering the whole idea of how we do apologetics and how that all ties in with evangelism in our culture. However, I want to let you know that, you know, being someone who has graduated from a, an evangelistic seminary like Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, and living in upstate New York for a little while, I tried doing it by the old paradigm, even back in the 90s, and found out that when I started quoting chapter and verse, like John 3, 3, that a man must be born again, or the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and that's Romans 6, 23, I got shut down by quoting scripture. Now, does that mean that we don't use scripture. No, and, that, and that, that's not necessarily the case, but we need to know how to communicate it in such a way where we stay faithful to the biblical text and be able to let the Word of God speak to somebody. You know, back in the 1500s, they started adding the chapters and the verses. And because of that, we are, you know, we like to get stuck on the fact that, you know, it says on in John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And of course, you know, you talk to somebody who has a, a worldview that is totally antagonistic toward the Christian faith. As soon as you mention John chapter 3 verse 16 or any scriptural reference, they're going to shut you and I down. I've had it happen to me, so I'm not just saying this. I actually have had this happen. And they'd say, well, you know, that's true for you, but not for me, or, you know, your Bible is antiquated. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about apologetics and evangelism and using the discipline of apologetics with evangelism so that we can understand that if you are living and you are actively sharing your faith and you haven't used apologetics, chances are you're not sharing your faith. Now, that sounds like a hard statement. But let me see if I can defend that for us. Now, what is evangelism? Well, there's a great little booklet that I had by uh, Dr. Gray Allison in Winsome Words for Willing Witnesses. It said this, uh, that evangelism is presenting of Jesus Christ to men and women under the conviction and leadership of the Holy Spirit. They will confess their need of a Savior, repent of sin, and trust Christ as Lord and serve Him in one of His churches. Now, that is pretty cool. And, and of course, you know, we know that the that Paul and you and I should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to those who will believe to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So then 
we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, what does apologetics have to do with evangelism? Now, I, you've heard me mention in the past of this whole idea of, you know, apologetics and pre-evangelism. And I want to let you know you can use those synonymously together. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about evangelism and I'm going to talk about pre-evangelism. And then what we're going to do is we're going to deal with the fact that apologetics and evangelism, what it is not and what the what they are, what they can do, and then um, how they how they dovetail together. Now, pre-evangelism is a synonymous term with apologetics, and it involves the removal of obstacles to faith. Now, pre-evangelism also pursues some intellectual agreement on the issues that must be understood before the gospel message can be presented or accepted. Now, some people will say, you know, well, the word of God will not return void. Don't use that passage. If you go back to the context of Isaiah 55, verse 11, you'll see that it's not the context that it should be used in. Now, let me talk about what apologetics or pre-evangelism is not. Please note, first and foremost, that apologetics is not about introducing a dose of confusion into the gospel in order to make it sound more profound. It is to communicate the profundity of the gospel, to, to remove the confusion surrounding the gospel. And with respect to evangelism, the goal of apologetics is to be used as an instrument of God to quicken the mind and soften the heart, which are the battlegrounds where the Holy Spirit seeks to woo, draw, and convict the one who is having the message shared with them. Now, let me give us a word of warning here. It will not be your prowess or my prowess in sharing the simple message or a simple polemic that will lead the individual to Christ. It will only be through the power of God. And, of course, you know, we could go and say like you're witnessing to an atheist. All you had to do is just ask him one question. Frank Turk uses this all the time. He says, you know, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? No, would be the answer. And, of course, you know, we know that it's a matter of the heart, more so than it is of the mind. But at the same time, let's not forget that we have to pierce the obstacles of the mind in order to be able to get to the heart and pierce the heart. Now, what I, I'm going to do a quick comparison, then I'm going to talk about what apologetics can do and what it can't do. But before we do that, I want to talk about evangelism and pre-evangelism or apologetics. And first and foremost, I want to let you know first that evangelism is done by all Christians. Pre-evangelism or apologetics is done by any Christian when it is needed. Evangelism can be done anytime or any place, but pre-evangelism is only if an objection has been raised. What is the content of evangelism? The, the content of evangelism is the gospel, where the content of pre-evangelism or, or apologetics is all Christian doctrine. What is the what is it based on? What is evangelism based on? It's based on the revelatory word of God, the message of the word of God. It's based on revelation. Evangelism, uh, pre-evangelism and apologetics is based on reason. Okay, what about uh, the gospel message? Well, evangelism, we are to state the gospel clearly. Where pre-evangelism and apologetics 
states Christian teaching clearly. And then what is the goal of evangelism? Obviously, it's faith and salvation. Pre-evangelism and apologetics, the goal is understanding and clarity. Now, I want to let you know that Jesus chose one highly educated religious person as an apostle, and that was the Apostle Paul. The rest were fishermen, a tax collector, a doctor. They were normal people of the day who were available and willing to be used by the Lord, and they were filled with the Spirit of God, and they were used as the Holy Spirit Move them. They were used as vessels of God, and God, of course, we know that God uses all things for His glory. And then also, we need to understand that when we engage in pre-evangelistic discourse with a seeker, we are doing apologetics by faith. So, let me ask you this question: What can apologetics do, and what can it not do? Let me talk to you about that real quickly here, and then we'll get on for the rest of it. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few angles as to basically deal with the whole issue of evangelism and apologetics. Well, first and foremost, what apologetics cannot do? Well, let's say this. First and foremost, apologetics cannot make or force someone to believe. Now, I know that there are some people out there, some in the apologetics community that might disagree with that statement, but we're not going to talk about that today. Secondly, apologetics cannot settle issues of faith. That's for the discipline of theology. Number three, apologetics cannot change someone's heart. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. We just talked about that just a moment ago, didn't we? And apologetics cannot give someone 100% certainty or else answer all objections. And, and, you know, of course, you know, you can't answer every question because if you could answer every question, then you could just use the role of reason to believe in God. But then there'd be no room for the Holy Spirit. There'd be no room for the supernatural transformation of the heart, soul, and mind in, in, in evangelism. So what can apologetics do? What, what, what good is apologetics? Well, let me give you three things here before we move forward. Now, apologetics can answer honest questions. And when I say questions, these are in, honest intellectual questions about Christianity. Secondly, it can expose pseudo-intellectual objections for what they really are. And, and of course, what they really are spiritual issues. They're matters of the will. Now, it can also expose spiritual issues that, but cannot address them uh, in, in some ways. Of course, you know, what's matters of spiritual matters, you know, of course, we know that the Holy Spirit, once again, must uh, pierce through the heart, soul, and mind of the person. And thirdly, it can equip and build up the faith of the believer. You know, when you start learning more about God, I've said this before, I'll, you, I'll keep saying this, the more you know about God, the more you love Him. So, why do apologetics? Why do we do it? I mean, the evidence is strong for defending the Christian faith. Christianity is supported by good philosophy. Christianity is also rooted in history, and it is corroborated by science. And apologetics deepens our discipleship. We talked a little bit about that last week. And of course, then... Apologetics guards against deception in the church, and not doing apologetics brings us back to why then are we doing this? And of course, we deal with the fact of the youth fallout today, and we, when we talk about 
apologetics and evangelism. We talk about it from the word um, evangelism. Of course, you know, I know it's some, some people it sounds kind of scary. You know, doing evangelism, no, I, don't want to, I can't do that. I can't, you know. Sure you can. All you need to do is just talk about the one who saved you. And that's what the whole idea is. And of course, you know, I get apologetic, uh, not apologetics, but evangelism scares people today because the word evangelism, as I just shared with you, is um, is what it is, is seeking to share the gospel. You know, it can be scary for many Christians, and this is why this is why we need apologetics, because that needs to change. Change what? It needs to change because we need to be an ambassador. In many contexts today, there needs to be a longer time for gardening of the heart and the soul before there's a harvest of souls. We also need to admit and entertain the idea that there has been a paradigm shift in our culture for why we're actually speaking about this today. It is a shift in culture, and evangelism needs to be built on an ambassador model. That's an ambassador model. Of course, we know that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse uh, 20 and 21 talks about how we are ambassadors for Christ, bringing people to reconciliation with God. And our evangelism should be more like diplomacy rather than D-Day. I just want to let you know those things. What I want to do is I want to deal with this... Uh, we talked about a paradigm shift and the fact that there are moral challenges today and there's religious challenges that have ramped up uh, in their challenges toward biblical Christianity, things like same-sex marriage, Islam, and rising of Islam and secular humanism and the new atheism. And, I, you know, some of these things sound familiar. Of course, in the not-too-distant past, we had things like Black Lives Matter and Tifa and some of these other groups. And, of course, now we've got gender-bending issues on top of it all. Our task is really, really cut out for us. And this is where apologetics is definitely needed today. You know, so we are no longer to be considered, and I think we are considered by many, no longer to be a Christian culture. Now, I'm thankful for the current administration because our current administration has been the most pro-life, most pro-religious freedom administration in quite some time in American history. So the question that I would like to answer in this is about how does apologetics serve evangelism in our post-Christian, post-truth culture? And I want to do this by giving you a few angles. And the first one is something that you and I need to understand. Evangelism is done by all Christians. We get that. And we know that it is a fulfilling of the Great Commission based out of Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. But we cannot forget that the Great Commandment is to love God with heart, soul, and mind, love our neighbor as ourself. And apologetics is often misunderstood to be a rigorous exercise for an exclusive group of Christians. But in all actuality, folks, this is totally false. As I mentioned earlier, truth is that every believer does some sort of pre-evangelism or apologetics to the ones who are hostile to the gospel message. But with all the cultural shifts that have been moving over the last couple decades or so, my question is, how well do we want to do it in order to reach the skeptics of our culture? The great commandment for many is just loving God with heart and soul. 
What about the mind? This is why I firmly believe that the Great Commandment and the Great Commission cannot be separated from one another. And simply stated, the Great Commandment calls us to discipleship. Discipleship of the heart, discipleship of the soul, discipleship of the mind, and encourage us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. The Great Commission takes that second part of the Great Commandment, where you, you know where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And it takes that, takes us out to go and make disciples. Now, so simply stated, the Great Commandment calls us to sight to discipleship, encouraging us to love God with our heart, soul, and mind. And the Great Commission takes the second part of the Great Commandment and commissions us to love our neighbor as ourselves and go and make disciples. Now, with the seismic cultural shifts over the last, say, 20 years or so, the aggressive push toward a morally relativistic culture where truth and morals are, are the, the whole battle between truth and morals is being heated up even more. And it is time to understand that we cannot do evangelism without incorporating apologetics. So that brings us to my second angle, and that is how do we share this with our happy pagan culture? Now, if we are active in sharing with those who need to hear, it is always understood that the content of the gospel is Jesus Christ. The gospel has the power to save, as I mentioned earlier, because it tells us of our need for redemption through Jesus, who is the only way of salvation, the only one source of truth, and the one who can give us eternal life. But the problem in our culture is that we are now running into people who have never heard of Jesus or not given their eternal destiny any thought. The gospel message that is based upon revelation is actually distant and foreign in a multicultural, religiously pluralized culture. Because the gospel message being distant and even foreign to many people today, we have to incorporate ways to try and clear the bushes for them, clear the rubble so that people can see who Jesus of Nazareth is clearly. While it may not be foreign to those who lived two millennia or so ago, the events of Acts of the Apostles, we need to understand that the Bible says and Scripture tells this approach was closer to the culture than it is today in our American imperial materialistic hedonistic culture. This approach was more acceptable, say, 40 years ago, and I'm dating myself here because I've been a believer over 40 years now, and, and it was more easy to do that, that the scripture reference, the Bible says approach back then than it is today. That being said, the words of Peter in his first letter to persecuted Christians is very relevant today where he says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you for, to give a, an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. So if someone is not open to your giving them the gospel, what content do we use? Simply. You and I can discuss Christian doctrine, but sometimes when a person may not be open to that, you know, we need to understand that, you know, being that there are sanctified reasons and sound logic for the Christian faith 
that need to be brought into that discussion. This is what pre-evangelism is before doing evangelism is all about. And this is where pre-evangelism actually begins. Brings us to the third angle, and that is the fact that what should be our goal when we do share? Well, as I alluded earlier, there are still some, and there will be times when a straightforward sharing of the gospel is appropriate and effective and timely. You know, there are going to be those times where that happens. Those are the moments when, as Jude and the Apostle Paul say, that we have the opportunity of snatching those from the fire and reaping the harvest that God has been cultivating through others' witness of Christ. But what about the ones where uh, there seem to be a growing number of these and, and where people do not accept or listen to what the Bible has to say about one's lost condition before God? Let me break it down this way. In evangelism, the goal is always a gospel presentation with the hopes that the Holy Spirit will use you to draw the person to faith in Christ. Obviously, the, the, the one who is being the recipient of the Holy Spirit's work is the one that you're sharing with. But what about the happy pagan? What about the one who does not accept the Bible, the one who does not accept the existence of God, does not accept the fact that they need salvation? What, are the, about the, what about the happy pagan who does not accept the Bible as the Word of God and Jesus as their only way in life and salvation? This is where there is one goal before, before faith will come. We need to bear in mind that the goal is still faith, but it should not be trying to tie down the sinner in 15, 20 minutes or less and coerce them into accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. There may need to be a time for clarifying Christian teachings because of so much static that is from Christian television programs promoting uh, health and wealth heresy. There may be some obstacles with reference to the problem of evil or all the different religions and how can they be so wrong and you say Christianity is right. In those situations there, we need to be uh, depending on the degree of apologetics training that one has had you know, some people go and say, well, I don't need apologetics, but if you're going to share your faith, you definitely need some type of equipping in order to be able to engage these questions when you are confronted with them, or else you could actually get discouraged. So let me say again, in those situations, depending on the degree of apologetics training one has had, it is important that we clarify our terms when it comes to Christian teaching. And here the goal is to clear the bushes, clear the rubble away so that the person can, that we're talking to can see, and, and, and we don't want to cause them not to see Jesus, we want to see them, we want to be the cause and effect of helping them see Jesus more clearly and what he came to do. For them. Let me uh, conclude here, because we've had just the three angles here that we were uh, wanting to share with you. We are running uh, good on time here. But let me wrap this up and just say that not everyone is in agreement with the use of apologetics dovetailed with evangelism. I get it. But I will have more to say on this probably in the not too distant future as we share more on this with the with our show. Now, I will tell you that I have actually seen the Holy Spirit work in ways that he has cleared up a person's understanding and uses the responses to their objections and 
the Holy Spirit uses those to draw that person to hearing and supernaturally understanding the gospel and coming to save in faith. Just in my job that I started in February, I can tell you of two people that I've shared with using this approach who have had a background in church but really really have not been able to understand what they did as children but they are now growing believers in their faith so don't you know you don't have to tell me that doesn't work i know two cases where it does so at the same time one should never blindly believe something to be true or even expect it to be true so if you're a skeptic listening to us thank you for listening to us today and i don't want you just to accept what I'm saying to be true. I want you to check it out. If you're a person who has been sharing your faith the traditional way that has been taught over the years using the, um, the Four Spiritual Laws tract or the Bridge to Life or even a Got Life doc for that matter. The Got Life doc I love, by the way, because it's got an apologetic flair to it using the ramp of resurrection, archaeology, miracles, prophecy, and Pascal's wager. But it's still just a tool to be used. Why not start having a conversation with somebody so that you'd be able to find out where they really are so that they can understand that you really do care about them and that you'd be able to go and talk to them about their objections and let them lay them out on the table so that you can go and be able to kick those around with them and answer them. We have an overwhelmingly amount of evidences that point to the truthfulness of Jesus, the Bible, Jesus' resurrection, God's existence. But God expects us as believers to love him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And it was the way that it happened in the first century. And folks, we are moving, because of the tectonic shifts in our culture today, we are actually moving in the direction of a first century Christianity. And I think we will see an increase where apologetics is definitely needed to be brought in as the handmaiden of evangelism if the Lord tarries is coming. So let me ask you this question. Are you ready to go out and meet a happy pagan and try and introduce them to the way to heaven. If you do have any questions, you can reach us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. And if you have any questions or comments, we would love you, uh, love to have you uh, email us those questions and objections and possibly have us share with you virtually or, or come to your church and help you understand how you can be more effective and sharing your faith, and show you how we can go and answer questions and bring the gospel to the person with those questions. Thank you for listening to us. We'll be back with you next week. Pray, if you listen to this before this coming Tuesday, please, please pray. Please get out and vote. If you're a Christian, please go out and vote your convictions. This election is not about personality. It is about policy, and if you love your freedom, weigh that out between the two candidates. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I will tell you that God is sovereign. So until next week, Lord willing, I, I don't know what we're going to share next week. It may be as a response to what happens this Tuesday. 
and maybe on another subject. But keep us in prayer this week as we go forth and share as many with as many as we can the, the, the unchanging gospel in an ever-changing world. And as you go out, go out and give them heaven. And we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless. Thank you.